We looked at Proverbs 18, verse 14 through 16, and we're going to just for a refresher, a quick refresher, we're going to look at that again. We had some good examples, and uh, we're going to go to the second part about the importance of the training and look at biblical examples of people that were trained. All right, so I I feel like this is an information morning, so I may be, you know, I may do some stand-up comedy. I may not, okay? But it may just be information. I may, in other words, I may be a little funny with my examples. I might not, but I just need you to listen. Sometimes it's information, okay? Um, let's look at this first verse. And God, we just thank you now this morning. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to stand before your people and to uh, to share information. Uh, God, that you share with me, that you want to be shared. God, I give you all the credit. I give you all the glory, not my smarts. Uh, none of that. This is you. And God, you want to get information across to the people for their strengthening, for their betterment, and for their advancement. And so, God, I, I just thank you that you speak through me and say what needs to be said this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know if, if that's the microphone sounding like a train uh, or some effect on it or something like that, but if we can check it out, PB, that would be great. All right, so the uh, Proverbs 18, starting in verse 14, it says, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? The heart of the prudent getteth knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. A man's gift maketh room for him, and bringeth him before great men. All right, a man's gift brings him, uh, makes room for him, and brings him before great men. Uh, Ephesians four eight says that God gave gifts to men. God gave everybody some kind of a gift. There's something that you can do that God gave to you to help to sustain you. Right. God did that for everybody. Everybody got something. He wasn't. And that gift that he gave to you helps you to share with other people and enhance the lives of other people, improve the lives of other people. And also it provides for you your living. Amen. And so uh, he gave gifts to everybody. So it says that the spirit of a man, that that word spirit, uh, one of the definitions of spirit is also gift. Right. So whatever God gave you that you can do. Uh, it says that it will sustain you in tough times, right? A wounded gift, a wounded spirit who can bear. The heart of the prudent getteth knowledge. Remember that for today. It said the heart of the prudent getteth knowledge. Uh, and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. Say that with me. Say the heart of the prudent getteth knowledge. And the ear of the wise seeks after wisdom. Seeks after knowledge. Six thousand dollars. I'm sorry. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Uh, we talked about Joseph and Joseph's gift last week. We talked about how he was elevated into the palace because of his gift. Right? We talked about that. We talked. We did a long story about Joseph, and I told you a story about all the trouble that he went through and how he wound up in the palace because of his gift. Right? So we, we also talked about about Joseph that. Uh, that the Pharaoh told Joseph, he said he would be number two, right? He said, he said, I'll be the only one in front of you. He said, and you'll ride in the second chariot. All right. And so understand something. He didn't make Joseph number one. He didn't say, Hey, you're going to ride in the front. He said, you're going to be number two, right? Because Pharaoh knew more about leading and ruling than Joseph did. Right. So Joseph's gifts got him to the palace, but he still needed to be developed in some areas. Right. That's why he was number two. And so uh, God's gift and even put him in a place to where he was. Uh, Pharaoh was so impressed 
with Joseph's gifts that he said, man, you're going you're gonna to be my, my man. I'm going to put you in charge of all of this stuff. Right. And so, it was, again, it was God's gifting, leading and developing. God, obviously, that was a gift to to lead somewhere in Joseph, too. But it had to be developed. He didn't know all this stuff. By the time Joseph's dad and his brothers, by the time, well, we know the story of what happened. If you don't, go back and read the book of Genesis. But uh, Joseph's brothers treated him real bad. He wound up ruling in Egypt. Everybody had to come to Egypt to get food because there was no food anywhere. And so Joseph wound up getting his family back out there. His dad came. By the time his dad came, Joseph had a wife. He had two kids. He had all of this stuff. And when we talked about how he, you know, what a day every person in the penitentiary would be excited to get a job like that and a wife straight out of the penitentiary on their first day, right? So Joseph comes out. He gets blessed. By the time his dad comes, he got two kids. He got a house. He's running all of uh, Egypt. Everything is, is great. So there was some development that occurred over that course of a period of time. You have a gift, but the gift, but you still have to be developed, right? You can't just off of your gift go right into a place of, of ruling. There has to be some training. Have, has anybody here ever received a prophetic word, a strong prophetic word from God that talks about in your future? You know, you knew it was God that 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 you would be in this place doing this thing, and you said to yourself, "I can't see myself." I'm not. You didn't maybe speak it out for a bad confession, but you just said in your head, like me. I can't see myself. Anybody raise your hand if that happened to you? I, I got my hand up, yeah. right? I, I've, I've heard God said some things to me, and I'm like, man, that sounds real good, but I don't know how that's going to happen, right? Well, that's because the you that is receiving the word right now can't do that. That's why it's for a future time, because you're supposed to develop over the course of time, and then at a certain point, you will develop into the person that can do that. Right? So, so there is the gifting. God said, you're gonna be that. You're gonna do that. But it's gonna be, but I need to, I need to work on you for a little bit, and we're gonna get you to the place where you can handle this, this spoken responsibility. David was, the, the Bible says David was gonna be the king when he was a, a young kid. Right? Strong prophetic word, agree? Yeah. Right? But at that time, he wasn't ready to be the king. There had to be some development. Right? So even, even D- David's development took place during the time where Saul was chasing after him, right? He's, he's developing. One of the things that happened was that David was hiding in a cave and Saul came in to, to relieve himself to use the bathroom and David cut off a piece of his, his robe or whatever, a piece of his garment and he showed him, he said, look, I could have killed you while you were going to the bathroom, but I didn't. And so he developed in such a way, the Bible says that, that David came back and uh, uh, that's when we get the scriptures, touch not my anointed ones to do my prophets any harm. David said, I shouldn't have did that. Right? David was kind of a mess. Even after he became king, though. And so, uh, we see, uh, his, David had a problem with women. Right? David had a problem with women. So what if God wouldn't have worked on David beforehand to the point the way he could get him to lead? He would have been a super mess. Right? That's like you. You think, well, hey, I'm ready to rule and, and lead, but you're a mess. And if God put you in that place where he promised you he was going to put you, then you would just be a super mess in that place. Right? That's why you have to have that developmental time. Everybody has to have, I'm not the same person, and Pastor Eli, thank God for Pastor Eli, but he constantly reminds myself and my wife, he said, y'all, you're not the same guy. Every time, almost every time I see him, he tells me, man, I can't believe how much you've changed. Because he's been there throughout the course of our life, and he and he, he constantly tells me, "Say you're not the same guy." I couldn't do what I'm doing now. I'm not doing the 
as good as I want to be right now, but I couldn't do what I'm doing right now if I hadn't been through certain things. Right? Let me tell tell you one thing that I couldn't do if I hadn't been through some things. I couldn't deal with the bills in this joker, in this church, if I hadn't been through some stuff. The bills that run many of preachers off from this place, sitting down looking at the bills. But I'm used to dealing with that. So it was a natural fit for me. I'm used to getting, I'm used to having to make race cars out of peanuts. Right? Now you say, what is that about? I ain't never heard that example before. You, do you know how much creativity and work it would take to make a race car out of a bag of peanuts? Matter of fact, we're going we're gonna to do some participation right now. Somebody tell me, what do you think it would take to get started making a, a race car out of a bag of peanuts? Raise your hand if you want to answer. Raise your hand. It is a hard question, so don't think, don't worry about being stupid. All right? Yes, sir. I, I, I think for sales points, so I, I'd be bartering. Okay. Okay, so see, he hit it on the head. He hit, he, that's the answer right there. Because you can't take the physical substance of the peanuts and start making a car out of it. You gotta take, look, I gotta take some of them peanuts, right? Cause I can't 100% bankrupt myself. So maybe, well maybe I can. Maybe I take a bag of peanuts and I trade, I trade them for four or five chocolate covered peanuts. Right? So I, so I, I know my value's up. <laughs> Right? And then I gotta go and I gotta sell them chocolate covered peanuts. And I'm telling you, I gotta speak on them. These are the best chocolate covered peanuts you ever, they're, they're made from Belgian chocolate, or at least the cousin of Belgian chocolate. Right? I gotta do something in order to, to raise the value on this thing. Now you, you could be done by faith. Right? If you believe, you receive, and God give you wisdom, it's a process, but you can make a race car out of a bag of peanuts. Right. And so in my life, I've had to do that. I remember when God first started talking to us about uh, making movies and we started twice. I had a friend of mine who was uh, very popular in the Christian uh, hip hop community. And so we're going to get him to play this role. He never would make it to the set. We'd have waiting on him for six hours to show up to shoot the stuff. And I got camera people and food, all kind of stuff going on. And we wound up getting uh, over the course of the time we worked with him, maybe like 17, 20 percent of the, the, the film done the first part of it. We couldn't use it, right? And so, so what happened? So this is during the time where I, I told you I had this bout with depression. Everything's going on. I don't know what to do. I'm in the middle of this. My life is changing, whatever. Now understand something. When I went through this bout with depression, I lost my brand new house. I lost two new vehicles. I lost everything. We're in the middle of trying to make this movie, right? So then, uh, how, how do I come out of depression? I understand, the, I grow to understand the power of the word during this time. I, I told a story, and have somebody tell me the name of the book that I read. Who knows? One of my good students that be paying attention. <laughs> nobody's good student, nobody's paying attention. All right? But this book by Mac Hammond, I got, it's called Doorways to Deception. Right? Write that down. I don't know if Mac Hammond's still alive or not, but he rolled with the Copelands or whatever. And so I, I, I had that book. Now, understand, I had the book for a couple of years on my shelves. All right? What kind of books that could help you, you got on your shelves that you never cracked open? Uh-oh, right? So I got the books for years on my shelf. I got a hug to pull the book out and read through that book. It, it, I don't like to read, right? That's why I listen to everything. So I read through the book. It took me a couple of weeks to get through there. I, was, I get through the book. I'm up. I'm out of the bed. And here we are. I got the solution to, to make to finish making the film, right? So we what we did was race car out of the peanuts. I took that 20% of the film that I had. I cut a good trailer out of it. Went and had a fundraiser dinner where we had some uh, sp- some cheap spaghetti, Right? And some wilted lettuce on the salad and watered down tea. 
right? And we sat the people in the room. Did we have that fundraiser in the back where we lived at over there, right? In the little building where we lived at, where we, I told you the place where we, we had to chase the rats and all that kind of stuff, right? So we had that fundraiser in the back of there. People stood up, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give. We raised the rest of the money, got started on the movie, and, and, and such as, we did it. I got the film done, licensed it over in South Africa, licensed it over in London. Um, man, I don't know how many DVD copies that we sold, or people don't have DVDs anymore or whatever. I got the, got the film done. Right up out of the bed, out of depression in two weeks, got the film. But if I had never went through depression, I would never know what depression looks like not to go down that road again. Come on, come on. Now, it's one thing going through depression at that point. If I go through depression right now, it's a whole different thing. Because I got too many people I'm responsible for, right? So, so I go through all of that. I go through this experience of making films. Nobody had ever made films before. This is before T.D. Jakes started making movies, right? Around the same time. I don't got no example of somebody making evangelistic movies. So we, we make this movie, uh, and I'm going to do it like this. I remember the first scene that we saw. The guy edited the first scene together, and I said, this is our movie? Wow, this looks incredible. It looks real, right? I just jumped out there and did it because I felt like that's what God told me to do. And when I saw that first scene, I said, man, this is like, like a real movie. I, I was shocked as anyone. Right? But we put together everything. The, when I, when I, after we finished the movie, we started going to the distributors. They said, you did this for a first movie? I said, yeah. They said, you guys were really ambitious. You know, you did a whole lot of stuff. I had, man, I had maybe $400,000 worth of cars in that movie. I had uh, boats in that movie. I had guys shooting uh, jet ski shootouts in that movie. I had million-dollar homes in that movie. I had restaurants. I had all kind of stuff inside because we didn't know we shouldn't have pushed it to that end. <laughs> we didn't know we should have did like something like a courtroom drama. Courtroom drama is you got like one location. We didn't know we should have did that, right? But we got it done. So I, I went through that whole process. I went out to California learning about distribution, learning how to work with actors. My wife learned how to do makeup. And guess what? After we went through that first experience, that movie took us about two years to get done complete. The second movie, we did it in six months. Why is that? Because development had taken place. Right? I went through some hard learning, and then on, now I'm ready. That's some of the things that you went through in your life that you hated going through it. They are to prepare you for the big thing that you're coming up on. You think that at the time, the thing you're going through is a big thing, but it's not a big thing. But if God don't let you think it's a big thing, you won't never prepare for it and be ready for the big thing. Hallelujah. So, so, so really what you've done is you've blown it in the developmental stages. What you've done really has been in class. The big thing is still yet to come. Come on. Right? So you may think, you, some of you may be in here feeling depressed right now because you feel like I lost this and this didn't go the way it was supposed to go and all these different things. But that wasn't the big thing. Come on. Come on. It was the thing to get you ready for the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Because you have to develop. There's nobody in the Bible who didn't have to go through development. Everybody had to go through development. I want you to think about this. Joshua and Caleb, after they went over, and you know, and I always seem to tell that story right here in this spot about the grapes. <laughs> right? So, so you know, they went over and, and uh, they went, the spies went over to spy out the land. They came back with the grapes. And then the two spies gave the evil report. They said, man, we can't go do it. It's impossible. Not going to happen for us. Right? So then God says, okay, y'all ain't ready to go. 
Right? So we thought it was all about punishment. But it, but the simple fact was they were not ready. So God said, okay, you'll take your whole, all your people and y'all go sit in the way, the 40 year waiting room over here. Right? But what was happening? God was developing the next generation who would be ready to go in and take it. And I guarantee you, Joshua and Caleb needed some further development. Yeah, come on. Though they were gifted, what was their gift? They were courageous. But they needed to be developed. They needed to be prepared. They needed some time over there too. Because what do we see happen when they go over there and Achan takes that, uh, uh, the, the stuff that God said not to take? Joshua throws a fit and starts ripping his clothes and throw, putting ashes on his head. And God said, now look, I told you, you don't understand what's happening. I told you you were going to win every battle. Something had to go wrong on your end for this to happen and you don't know it. You're blaming it on me. Yes, he had to be developed. And you have to be developed. Let's look at some scriptures here. Gifting will take you so far, but there has to be some development. You got to be ready. Uh, let's look at, turn to uh, Hosea 4.6. Hosea 4.6. Hosea 4.6. This is God saying something real strong. God says something real strong. And all of the, all of the real super spiritual people need to watch, need to read this. Because you need to add to your super spiritual. Right? That's why uh, people in church be super spiritual about something for a long time. will never get it done. And then somebody else with some skill come in and make that thing happen real quick. Because they go together. If you read in the book of Genesis, when they were building the, uh, uh, the temple for God, who did they go find? Did they go find the shade tree workers? No. Did they go find somebody just on a hustle that that didn't know what they were doing, he said, go find skillful men. Yeah. This is God. You think God would just say, well, you know, Johnny, he ain't really doing nothing. He needs some work. <laughs> Let's put him on the temple project because it's the church after all. Uh-oh. Now, God said, go find skillful people. Yeah. The, the work of building the temple was very detailed. Right? <clears throat> so watch this. Here we go. Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, God says, he didn't say people out in the streets, people, other folks. He said, my people. My people. Right? We would think that under God's covering, that we all good, we can accomplish, we can do anything under God's umbrella. But God says, listen, my, my people, the folks under my umbrella, under my power, the thing that destroys them is what they don't know. Now, watch, watch, he goes again, he says something else. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. He says, because thou has rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. God! He said, you don't want to know, I can't use you. You don't want to grow, I can't use you. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou has rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, and thou shalt be no priest unto me. Seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. So the children are also affected by the lack of appreciation for knowledge. The people are affected and the children are affected because they don't want to know nothing. 
Remember that time the Bible says that God spoke and it sounded like thunderings and they got so scared they told Moses, they said, we don't want to know. You go talk to God. We don't want to hear. Remember that? So, I mean, I'm going to tell you something. Have you ever met church folks like that? We just don't want to know. We don't want to know. We don't want to learn about anything. God's going to handle it all. Oh, yeah, he is. But he's going to handle some things through you. You need to know something. Right? We got ready to, well, we're building up all of the build out on the restaurant. Right? I, I walk around scratching my head for months trying to figure out how we're going to uh, get those vent hoods put in there. You know what I mean? I, I had, and we had one of them, I, uh, two of them. I'm and in, sitting in the gym against the wall. And I constantly walk by and look at that thing. <laughs> God. When it was delivered. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I could do was look at it. How would I didn't know it? I just look at it. Because I didn't know what to do with it. I don't know how to hang that up. I, not, not a clue. And so then the guy... Comes over at the right time. Let me show you how God worked. I had found this one guy. He contacted me. I was looking for some vent hoods on offer up or something like that. And I found the guy. He called me back. His schedule wasn't working. 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 So I got all these people coming and telling me. One guy come over and says it's going to cost you 24000 to get this, this stuff put in. Another guy comes and says it's going to cost you 28000 to put this stuff in. Well, this guy here... You know how much he wound up putting the stuff in? The, the guy that I was talking to at first that contacted me off of offer up. This is God working. The dude called me back. He put the stuff in for 7000 Right? So God going to do his part. But, but you know what? God had to use somebody who knew what they were doing. Because I, I could have got the man from the church. You know, uh, Brother Cooper, a skillful leader at, at you know, getting stuff. We, we got the man and we put this big up. That thing looks small up there. That thing is heavy. And huge. Right? We had scaffolds and cranes and, and hoist. We did all kind of stuff to get that stuff put up there. Right? So I'm thinking, I thought back to that. I said, well, shoot, we installed that. We can get this done. But that vent hood had to have wells on it. The wells had to be sealed. They had to test it that it had no leaks. You got to put insulation around it. You got to get it connected to the fan, hang the fans on the wall. I pretty much knew Brother Cooper is cold, but he ain't that cold. Right? Nobody here is that cold. Right? We can usually get it done. We wasn't doing that one. Right? Now we did some stuff over there. We did a lot of stuff over there. But we wasn't doing that. We had to get somebody who knew how to do that. Right? I remember when we first started with the uh, opening restaurant. Six, eight months before we opened the restaurant, we had a vent outside. And uh, Pastor Driver from Repair the Breach, he had to cook the chicken. I didn't know how to cook chicken six, eight months before we opened up the restaurant. I couldn't cook barbecue. They say, you crazy. No, I got faith, but I'm, I'm, but I'm working. So then we get that smoker and, and, you know, I guess a few weeks before, I just, well, how difficult can this be? I go to YouTube, <laughs> YouTube University. I go to YouTube and I start looking at it. So now here's the development coming, right? And my faith is there, but faith, what do we learn Wednesday night? Faith that our works is dead, right? So then I go to YouTube, I start looking up, how do I do this? You know, how do I, you know, work this? So I would learn a little bit, and then God would tell me a little bit. I learned a little bit, God would tell me a little bit. So we working together. Yeah. So I got to smoking that meat the first few times or whatever, and we served some of it, and uh, 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 people come in, and they like it. You know, some of them like it, and some of them say, oh, man, this wasn't good. So then, like, uh, so, so I, was, I was inconsistent, right? But what happened? Over the course of time, now we're 11 months into the restaurant, 
probably two years into the whole project. And now people come in and I consistently hear, consistently hear, this is the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. Right? Now most of us, all of us God, but I can, I can follow God because of what I've learned. Amen. Okay? Now I, I've never professed to be, I'm not even Floyd. Right. And I've never professed to be a pit master. That's not on my list of aspirations to be a barbecue man. Right. And so you got guys who got blogs and all this kind of stuff. And people are telling me you are the dude. Right. Because God, number one, God said do it. But I had to develop. So now people are coming to tell me, they say, well, I'm about to do a big, I'm going to cook a lot of food. I'm going to make three briskets. And I'm thinking back, back back in the day when I, if I was cooking, that was a lot for me. But I've cooked 18 briskets in a day. And and and, then, and not only, and so it's not just the cooking, but I, I remember I was concerned because I didn't know how to trim briskets. I was concerned. And I'm like, I don't know how. I remember, uh, matter of fact, w- w- uh, me and B. Gibb full, pulled the first ribs that we ever cooked off of that smoke. You remember that in the back of that day? And we cut them ribs and we tasted them. And both of us, were you blown away? I was blown away at how good they taste. There was no pit master here. We were shocked that it tasted good. Right? At first. So now when they don't taste good, I'm not shocked because I know what I'm doing. I can trim, I get them briskets, trim up. Man, I can trim up 12 briskets in an hour. And that's running my mouth, talking on the phone, counseling in one ear. Yeah, it's going to be all right. God got you. All right? Yes, let me pray with you right now. Lord, we just thank you right now that they're going to be all right, that your hand is in the middle of it. Amen. Let me finish. Amen. So, I, But because I've developed anything that you work at, you're going to develop at it. Right? You have to learn. Another lesson. I'm, I'm, this is, I have to tell you these stories because this has been my biggest challenge. Right? All at one time. So another thing is that when we, we first started off with three days a week, then we decided we're going to go back to five days. I decided we're going five days a week. Right? Because the people was coming and knocking on the door and they were like, this is weird. You know, y'all not open? So the pressure got to me, right? So I'm like, oh, gonna open up five days. We ain't not working five days, 80 hours a week. Right? Couldn't last for so long. I tried to hire a couple people. I thought I had a guy, I had, I had a guy for three days that could do everything that I did. Three days. And he didn't work out. Right? So then I, I gotta go back. But I learned, hey, you can't, you have to, you, you can only do what you can do with the people that you got. Right? So that gave me a greater respect. All of these things are causing me to develop. And with the knowledge and the information I'm getting, I can take it and put it into other areas. So I've learned so much stuff about doing promotion and what, you know, how Facebook promotion works and social media promotion works that I am going to implement it over on this side. Right? But had I not done that, there's a whole lot of things that I couldn't do over here. There are things that you've done at your job. You may hate your job. You may hate your boss. But there are things that you've learned at your job that you had that you would only learn at that place. You wasn't going to get it nowhere else. And so what you have to do is you have to appreciate all learning that you get. Because you can take it and apply it in another area. You're telling God, God, I want to be over here. And I want to do this. And God say, you don't know how to do that. Remember what I said when, when Solomon came and asked God, when Solomon came and he asked the Lord, 
Well, understand something. Solomon was about to be the king of all of Israel. Lucy, come here. Now imagine, imagine this. Now Lucy's a smart guy, he's a businessman, right? But let's just say that, uh, anybody ever seen that TV show, Designated Survivor? Right? Okay. Designated survivor. So designated survivor, this guy was low down the pole in the, in the, uh, in politics in line for the White House, but they had a tragedy and all of the leaders got killed. They had to make him the president. So let's just say we have a situation where stuff go real south and they have to bring Lucy to the White House to be the president of the United States. Are you, are you ready? No. No, he's not ready. He's not ready. That's not a bad confession. That's just simply a fact. Okay? So, 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 if Luciano does not pray Boy, come on. and ask God to, to you know, I need real quick, I need some people around me, I need to know something, it, it's quick development got to happen. I, it's, it needs a miracle. Yeah. Right? You got to have insight and information from God because what? You got to deal with all of these other countries and just the people in the White House and the, the ones, no matter what, if he's going to be Democrat, you got to deal with the Republicans trying to get you. The Republicans got to deal with the Democrats. Yeah, all of the stuff that you got to deal with being the president, just even, you know, before you start dealing with war and all that kind of stuff, man, it's a hard job. Yeah. Right? And he, have you ever thought about politics? Never thought about politics <laughs> in his life. So he needs some information. He needs some wisdom. Right? Thank you. So Solomon was going to be the king of Israel. He couldn't do it without some wisdom. He couldn't do it without knowledge. That's why God was like, that's why God was so excited. He was like, thank you, I got the right guy. Understands he can't do it because he don't know what he's doing. But then you got those of us that are super spiritual and say, you know what? And we leave it all on. And that's true. You can do all things through Christ. Who does what to you? Strengthens you. Do you think in the process of that strengthening there is some development going on? Right? He's going to develop you. He's going to put you in the spot, but you're not going to know it all. It's going to take some time for you to get it. There has to be some development. So as gifted as you may be, you still have to be developed. Right? Don't take my word for it. We just read it. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Right? He said, if you reject knowledge, I will reject you. I can't, why, why would he reject you? Because he says, I can't deal with you. I can't, if you won't let me teach you something, I can't help you. Is that right? Let's keep going. You got to be developed. You can be gifted. Yeah. That's why, you know, some bad things happen in churches to where you have, uh, you know, one of the, the, the staff pastors, I've seen it many times, or whatever, they say, well, man, I preach better than the pastor. You might, but you're not the pastor. Right? You don't have that anointing and you don't have some of that training. And so what happens? Because the people are saying, you're awesome. You're a great preacher. Let's go and start our own church and you can be the person. That's why that happens. You don't, if you don't know what to do, you don't understand what you're doing. That's a hard thing to do. You gotta, you gotta kind of know what you're doing when you're dealing with people. That's just like saying, you know, I, I, I know how to cut a watermelon. I'm ready for surgery. When I cut watermelon, it's a straight line. It's a straight line. <laughs> Let's go now to uh, Proverbs 4, 
3 through 7. I remember backseat driving my pastor. Man, I wouldn't have done that if I was him. I would have done this. And you know what? I might have been right. But I wasn't sitting in the seat and I didn't have all the pressure. I wasn't the one having to deal with the traffic. Uh, for I was, okay, we go Proverbs 4, 3 through 7. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not and she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principle or the number one thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all thy getting, get an understanding. Right? Let's do it again. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom and understanding, forget it not, neither decline thine ear from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all thy getting, getting understanding. This is God, Pentecostal people. This is the Bible, Pentecostal, full gospel, tongue-talking folks. God said, even though you, you got the spiritual part, my spiritual gift, and you connect with me, I still need you to know some things. Amen. Let's go now to 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 10. And just hold your place there. Just hold your place there. We talked last week about Moses and how his mom said that she knew he was gifted and she put him, she set him off in the little basket. Right? And the Bible says that Moses, uh, that Pharaoh's daughter picked up Moses. She saved Moses out of the water, right? And then Moses went to live in Pharaoh's house. Anybody ever seen the cartoon movie with their kids, The Prince of Egypt? Right? Okay, well, that stuff ain't wrote in the Bible, but it probably ain't far off. Amen? Because he was, she said she, she raised him as her son. Right? So there's Moses in the Pharaoh's house learning everything that they're learning, being trained in everything that they know. Right? And so then it got to a certain point where Moses... Somehow he found out, well, maybe he knew the whole time. Maybe she never hid it from him that he was adopted. Maybe she never hid it from him. We don't know. It don't have to be, it didn't have to be an eye-opening thing. But at some point he got upset and he said, man, you know, they're they doing my people wrong. So he kills the two Egyptians. You remember that? He kills the two Egyptians. He buries them in the sand. Then he goes to correct these other people. And they told him, they said, you think don't nobody know what you did, but we know what you did. That's my paraphrase verse. So then Moses, he flees. The Pharaoh did want to get him and arrest him and kill him and do whatever he's going to do with him. And he winds up over here to the place uh, in Midian, right? So he meets his wife over there and he meets his uh, father-in-law. And his father-in-law, we do know, we can read in the scripture, that his father-in-law did give him advice. So here is Moses 
needing 40 years worth of training before God sends him back over there. 40 years worth of development before God sends him back over there. Why? Because Moses had in his mind his own way that he was going to deliver the children of Israel, but God knew that that way wasn't going to work. You're not going to do this as a one-man army. You're not going to do it. So what does God do? God, God gets him over to a place where Moses can develop. Right? So Moses, if Moses got a wife, number one, every married man knows that you have to develop when you get a wife. Amen? Right? Your wife will make you develop. Right? So we see Moses' life being enriched by his wife, by his children, by his duties over there with the brother-in-law. God, so what, God, what is God doing? God is taking away some of the things that got put into Moses, and he's putting in some new things that, got, that, that needed to be put into Moses. So then after a while, at the perfect time, God says to Moses, he says, he speaks to him through the burning bush. Moses. That was incredible scoring on that Prince of Egypt movie. Yeah, that was. Moses. At the perfect time, right? After the development, he says, look, we're going back now. Right? So what does Moses do? Moses has spent this time. We know, man, his, 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 listen, out of, if we don't know anything more than what his father-in-law told him, he said, you can't do all this by yourself. You need to split these people up. And we didn't find that out till later. If we, we, we can surmise that his father-in-law was a wise man. His father-in-law had a house. His father-in-law had business. He was a wise man. And Moses had spent time around him. So Moses gets to the point where he's developed, but he wasn't perfect, was he? This is one thing I want to add. Some people will get will think that God wants them to get to the place of perfection before he can use you. You're never going to be perfect. David never got to be perfect. Moses was never perfect. Peter was never perfect. The disciples were never perfect. Right? So you need to understand something. God knows your clock. He knows your time of what you need to get in your system before he can work on it. So you don't sit around telling him, nope, I'm not ready. Nope, I'm not ready. You don't know. You're ready when God opened up the door. Amen. Amen? And so Moses had to be developed. The Bible says of the disciples, what did Jesus say? tell the disciples? He said, come and follow me and I'm going to develop you. Right? Come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to teach you some things. I'm going to help you get to the place so when I leave, you can take care of the business. Right? So over the course of that three-year time, Jesus and the disciples, they learned from Jesus. They were, they, they were, he developed them. Elisha had to be developed by Elijah. He spent time around Elijah, understanding how Elijah dealt with kings, how Elijah dealt with situations. So the first time Elijah, Elijah meets Elisha, he's telling him, man, come on, let's go do the work. And he's like, I got to go do stuff with my parents and all this kind of stuff. Right? So, so he, needed to, he needed to have some development. But by the time that Elijah is carried away, the Bible says that uh, Elijah's there and Elijah's telling him, he says, uh, I, I'm, I'll never leave your side, right? So that was that we can see the bond in that relationship. I'll never leave your side. I'm gonna be there. And he says, I want a double portion of your anointing. He said, Well, if you're with me, when I when I leave, then you'll get it. And so we see that right before Elijah gets taken away by the chariot, he grabs it. Let me borrow that. This. We see right before he gets taken away by the chariot, Elijah has to cross this water, and he slaps that that water with his cloak, and that water splits open. Right, that's cool. I'd like to be able to do that. One of my jackets. 
right? <laughs> so you hit that water, and the water split open. They go across on the other side. Then God sends not a limo for Elijah. It would have been nicer to get a limo. He sent a fiery chariot. Can you imagine being at that, at that Uber stop, waiting on that ride God sent? And you're just standing there with your man like, God sent me a ride. And that thing just all of a sudden, it had to be some thunder come with it. Whatever, I imagine God told his DJ, I'm hit the, we're going to play the whole soundtrack. I want this to make an entrance. Play this song. That thing come down. Fire come down. Scoop up Elijah. Elijah's riding out. Elijah's standing right there. Elijah's going up in the fire chair. And Elijah's like, whoa, man. And all of a sudden, Elijah, Elijah just drops that thing. Right? See, I told you, that's why y'all don't excited about your Bible, because your imagination, you don't let your imagination work. You got to watch the movie while you read. All right? So he gets it. And then what does he do? And goes back across. Right? So all this time he spent with Elijah being developed, now he's in position to be able to take over. That's good. Right? Everybody has to be developed. There are things that you have to come to learn and to know. You remember the time? I could read, I could read all of this stuff, but I don't got time. You remember the time when, uh, Samuel went to go and be raised by Eli, the priest, right? Now, we know Eli didn't do such a good job with his own kids, right? His two boys, they said that they was, you know, they was players, church players, right? It says they were dating the girls in the temple, and they were stealing the, too much of the sacrifice. Them boys was bad. You're talking about some preacher kids gone wrong. Them boys were bad, right? So he didn't do a great job with his own kids, but he left Samuel there. Samuel was there with him. And so we, we know that there was some training that happened. Let me tell you something. You may find yourself in a place being trained by somebody who, who, who has some moral issues, who has other leadership problems. That does not mean that there aren't some good things that you can learn from them. That's right. That's All right? So, so it, when, let's, let's look at an example. Look at an example. So uh, Samuel's there. And he hears a voice call his name, Samuel. So he gets up and he goes over there and he thinks it's Eli. And he goes to Eli two times. And, he, and after the, the third time, Eli says, he says, boy, he said, that's not, that's not me. You're not hearing things. The next time, say, Lord, here am I. That's, that's the voice. That's, because the Bible says that Samuel had not learned to hear the voice of God yet. That's what the scripture says. He hadn't learned. So that tells us. That there is a process of learning to hear God. There is some development that has to happen. That's why you don't just let anybody come into church and start prophesying. I don't know you. We don't know how, how where you're developing. We don't know where you are with Christ. You come in there telling us all this stuff. We don't know you like that. So here he is. The Bible says that he hadn't learned to hear the voice of God. So then Eli told him what was going on. Samuel didn't have a clue what was happening. He just kept getting up thinking it was Eli calling. But Eli had to give instruction. Right? So all of the time he spent with Eli, he did learn some things from Eli in order to be able to take the next steps. And the crazy part about it was, was that God came and told Samuel that he was fixing to get rid of Eli. He said, Eli, I got to run him out of here. They ain't never done right. His kids is bad. They all got to go. Right? I gave him a chance. But they got to go. 
Right? So there's always development that God is doing. I want to read something now. Talking about Elijah and Elijah. What did I tell y'all to go? Uh, we just talked about that. You don't have to go over that no more. All right, now turn to 2 Kings 5.20. This is one of my favorite stories, and I actually learned this from uh, my, my first pastor. 2 Kings 5.20. 2 Kings 5.20. Okay, so uh, quick bring up the speed. Naaman uh, was a decorated soldier, and his wife had a maid, and name, but Naaman had leprosy. He contracted his leprosy. He was a decorated soldier. He tried to do everything he could to get uh, rid of this leprosy. So his wife's servant told him about Elisha. He said, there's a man of God. If you go over here, this man of God can, can get you healed from the leprosy. So Naaman shows up. He's got camels with all these valuables. And he comes over there to, to bring an offering to the man of God. And uh, the man of God said, no, nah, I won't take none of your money. But if you go dip uh, in the Jordan River seven times, I think that's the river he told him to go dip in. So go dip over there seven times in this dirty water, and you're going to come up clean out of the dirty water. Well, Naaman said, no, nah, you know, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> So then he takes off and he goes and does it. Then he comes back and he says, man, I'm clean. You know, you did it. Thank you so much. You know, I appreciate it. You know, your God is the God. And so, uh, again, Elijah wouldn't take the money. So Naaman take off. He's going back home clean of his leprosy. And that's where we pick up the story right here. The, the assistant, Gehazi, decides that he wants some of that, that money that, uh, that Elijah passed up on. But Gehazi, the servant, starting in verse 20, uh, 2 Kings 5.20. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. When Naaman saw one running after him, he lighted down off his chariot to meet and said, Is it well? And he said, All is well. My master sent me to say, uh, There have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets, and I pray you that you give me a talent of silver or two changes of garments. Now this is very important. Remember what he asked for. He said, I want, I want some money and I want some clothes. Right? He said, a talent of silver and two chains of garments. And Naaman said, be, be, be pleased and take two talents. And he urged him and he bound two talents of silver and two bags and two chains of garments and laid them upon the two of his servants and they, uh, and they bore them before Gehazi. When he came to the hill, he took them from their hands and put them in the house and he sent the men away and they left. He went and stood before his master, Elisha, and Elisha said, where have you been, Gehazi? And Gehazi said, your servant, Went, went nowhere. So he starts to lie. He's a liar and he's, a, and he's about that money and he's about them clothes. Right? He likes to dress nice. That's all I'm going to say about that. Right? Uh, so he says, Elisha said unto him, did not my spirit go, did not my spirit go with you when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it, t- was it time to accept money and garments and olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cleave to you and your offspring forever. And Gehazi went from his presence, a leper white as snow. 
So Gehazi goes and Gehazi, the man of God says, it ain't time to get this money right now. It's not time. We, we're not supposed to receive this offer. We're not supposed to have this money. That's not what it's about. So Naaman has a wrong relationship with money. Right? He's, he's greedy. And not Naaman, uh, Gehazi. Gehazi's greedy. Gehazi had to be developed. Now let's go to 2 Kings chapter 8. No. Let's go to 2 Kings 7, 3. 2 Kings 7, 3. Talking about development. Second Kings seven three. It says, Now four men who were lepers were at the entrance of the city's gate, and they said unto one another, Why do we sit here until we die? So understand that the lep- the lepers, man, because this stuff was catching and so bad. They would, they would keep them boys at a distance. There's certain places they couldn't go. You're going to stay over here. Y'all stay outside of the city. You come through, you got to be yelling unclean and all this kind of stuff. So they were out there, these four leprous guys. Uh, verse 4, if we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit still here, we, will, we, we die also. So now come and let us go over to the army of the Syrians. If they will spare us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. So he said, either way it goes, we're going to die. We're going to die of hunger, or we're going to go over there and ask them for some food, and they give us some, or they're going to kill us either way. Right? Verse 5, he says, so, so they arose in the twilight and went to the Syrian camp, but when they came to the edge of the camp, no man was there. For the Lord had made the Syrian army to hear a noise of chariots and horses, and the noise of a great army. They had said one to another, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to come upon us. So the, uh, so the Syrians arose and fled in the twilight and left their t- tents, horses, donkeys, even the camp. And it was and fled for their lives. Verse eight. And when these lepers came, uh, came to the edge of the camp, they went into one of the tent and they ate and they drank and they carried away silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them in the darkness. Then they entered another tent and carried there from also and went and hid it. Verse 9, then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This is a day of glad, good news, and we are silent and do not speak up. If we wait until the daylight, some punishment will come upon us for not reporting it at once. So now, come and let us go and tell the king's household. So they called the gatekeepers of the city and told them we came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was neither sight nor sound of a man there, only horses and donkeys tied uh, and the tents as they were. So here, remember what I said about Gehazi, what we just read in the story about Elijah. Gehazi went and pursued, and the Bible says specifically that Gehazi wanted gold, silver, and clothes. Yeah. Right? So he comes back to Elijah, and Elijah tells him, he says, for the wrong that you have done, you're going to get the leprosy. And he said forever. So then we see another account shortly after where you got four lepers at the, at the gate of the city and the whole city's uh, uh, starving to death here because of the famine. And the four lepers decide to go into the Syrian camp. The four lepers go over there into the Syrian camp. They find everything. But the Bible says it, it, gives, it, t- it says they went in one tent and they came out of there. They ate, they drank and they left. It told you they got food. It told you they, they got uh, uh, silver, gold and clothes. So they went into the second tent. And in the second tent, it does not tell you specifically what they got out of there. 
but it made a point of telling you that they're about the silver and the gold and the raiment. Amen? Watch this. Almost done. No, we're not going 11. Let's go now to 2 Kings 8, 1 and 2. 2 Kings 8, and actually we're going to go 1 through 6. 2 Kings 8, 1 through 6. It says, Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Arise and go with your household and sojourn wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine. And moreover, it will come upon the land of uh, the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did as the man of God said, and she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines for seven years. So Elijah had told this woman who had built him the room, he gave her a tip. He said, there's about to be a famine. You and your family need to get out of this land and go somewhere else for seven years. Elijah told this woman that, right? So then uh, in verse 3 it says, At the end of the seven years, the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went up to appeal to the king for her house and her land. And the king talked with Gehazi. So remember that Gehazi had got leprosy. You remember that? It said he got leprosy forever. So Gehazi gets leprosy, and all of a sudden here's a leper, leprous Gehazi standing there talking to the king. How does that happen? There's no way that that happens unless Gehazi was one of the four lepers that came up on the gold and the silver and the raiment and brought it back over there to share with the people. No way that that happens. Right? So Gehazi's there tell, telling the king stories about Elisha and all these different things. And uh, this woman who he's telling the story about walks into the place. That's a miracle within itself. But understand something. The first time, talking about development, that it, the first time that Gehazi had a wrong relationship with money, it cost him leprosy. Right? So then you see what we believe to be Gehazi right here, right now. Goes in there and he says, if we keep this stuff, something bad is going to happen to us. How do you think Gehazi came to that revelation? Because of the leprosy that he got the first time when he didn't do right with the money. So now we see that Gehazi has developed that Gehazi has grown. And that growth and development has, has given him promotion. Because he has an audience with the king. You have to grow and you have to develop no matter how gifted that you are. And you're going to go through things that are going to cause you to grow and to develop. We, we prayed over, uh, Alex in his, in his football. We believe that hey, God's going to use him. That's going to be his ministry. Go play football, this, that, and the other. So we're talking about Alex at a time, and I always talk to him about his physical condition and what kind of shape he's in. And so uh, we begin to pray to God about his football. And so what happens? Alex finds a trainer that, because if you look at one point, you say, well, hey, well, look, how's God going to do this? God had to take him to a place to where he could be developed and transformed. Before he could function in that, what God said was going to happen. So all of us here have places that God wants to take us, but you have to be developed. Nobody escapes development. The scripture says to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Right? Last scripture, and then we're done. You have to be developed. You can run from the development. 
but you're only prolonging what God wants to do. Second <clears throat> Timothy two fifteen says, study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Let's go back a couple of words here. He says, tested by trial. Study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial. That means developed. Even in the teaching of the word, there needs to be some development. Now you're just going to come out and, and know everything and all of this. No, you have to be developed in everything. Everybody has to grow and everybody has to develop, no matter how gifted you are. Amen? Okay, y'all stand up. We've been long. Y'all sleeping already. 